Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We are starting a new series that's called You Are. You know, when you think about those two words, you are, we don't often hear what we are. Don't we hear often what we're not? So, so let me just give you an example that, that maybe you can relate to. Maybe there's some people you know, perhaps at work, in school, uh, your neighbors, and you know what? It's so easy to find things in others that we're critical of, that maybe, oh, I don't like the way you say that word, or I don't like the way you do this or, or do that. And, and it's so easy to point out the faults in others, or, or even if something would go wrong, it's never our fault, right? Whose fault is it? It's someone else's fault. It's, it's usually my son's fault. No, I'm just kidding, David. Um, but anyway, we, we will so easily find blame or fault or criticize someone else. And, and what does the Word of God says? It says in Luke 6 that we need to take the log out of our own eye before we can look and take the speck out of someone else's eye. Because we can so clearly see what other people fall short um, instead of what they're doing well. And it's much the same way with us. We don't often think of what we are. We think more of what we're not, right? It's so easy to see our shortcomings. It's so easy to see our flaws and, and, and our failures at times about what we wished we could do. So we're taking some time with this series about you are, not to talk about how we become more self-confident, although being more self-confident, no problem with that. That's a good thing to do. But this series is all about how do we increase our God confidence? What does God say to each one of us that, that you are blank, right? So we're, we're going to be talking about a number of things that, that God tells us, and we're going to be asking ourselves the question, um, Hey, what is under attack in what God says about us? Because this is the reality. When God comes and says something to us, immediately the enemy tries to steal away that seed. And and he he doesn't want that seed to take root. So we're going to be talking this morning about you are loved. So I I thought of how do I I really get the magnitude of you are loved across? And you know, I would say this, it's you are really, really, really loved. Now, I couldn't fit the three really, so I could only put two here. But, you know, in this time where we're all staying at home, I, I'm missing my grandkids, something, something fierce, right? And, and uh, two of my grandkids are in Kenya right now with, with my son and his wife. And, and my granddaughter, Nora, when she would, li- would live with us before, before they moved to Kenya, she had the best going to bed uh, good night hugs of any of my grandkids because I, I don't often get them in my home night after night after night. But when Nora was getting ready to go to bed, she'd kind of line up on the other side of the room. She'd come down in her pajamas and she would run over and give you a big, tight, squeezy hug. And you know what? I, it was more than I just felt loved. I felt really, really loved at moments like that when Nora would come up and, and give me a hug like that. So that's the way God loves us. He gives us a big, tight, squeezy hug. And uh, it's just incredible. So if you've not experienced God's love, today is your day. Because we're going to have a time where we're going to experience God's love together when we do communion at the end of the service. So if you didn't hear when Ed spoke at the very beginning, if maybe you're just tuning in, Um, and you missed that part, we're going to do communion together. So it requires you to to get some whatever you have in the house, right? When they had the Last Supper, it was their supper. So if you've got bread, if you've got crackers, that's fine. What do you drink at your meal? Get whatever you drink, bring that in, and we're going to have communion at the end of this time. So let's look at this question, what is love? And I want to start off by reading this verse out of 1 John 4, 9 and 10. It says, God showed us how much he loved us, 
by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. You know, so God's love is that he sent his only son into the world to be the lamb of God to do what? To take away the sins of the world. And if you've never heard this message before of love, it's an unconditional love. We're not used to that here on earth. We're not used to to people loving us unconditional because only God can love unconditionally. You and I, we both love with condition. You're nice to me, I tend to love you more. You're not so nice to me, I tend to love you less if I love you at all. You know, and it seems that, that all around us during this time of, of pandemic, we're faced with hearing about death more and more and more. Every day we're, we're hearing how many deaths across the United States, how many deaths in New Hampshire. And, and I thought about, um, times like this, I, I thought about when Jesus sent out the 72 disciples. Do you remember that story in Luke 10? It says he chose 72 disciples and he sent them out in pairs to all the towns in the area. And he told them to go and heal the sick and to tell all the people in the town, the kingdom of God is near you now. And when the 72 returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And Jesus replied this, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them and nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. And you know, if there's one thing that we can rejoice about more than anything else, it's not that this prayer is answered or that prayer is answered. It's to rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Eternal life is the greatest gift that God could ever give us. Even if he never answered any of my prayers or any of your prayers, he has already given us the gift. One week after Easter, let us remember the gift that he gave us that we never take for granted the amazing demonstration of love of Jesus coming to earth, dying on a cross, and rising from the dead to pay for your sin and for my sin. So if that's what love is, how do we receive God's love? And I want to turn and look at at a passage here in Romans 5. We're actually going to be reading of uh, Romans 5, 1 to 8, but I'm going to take it in two segments. So let's start by reading 1 through 4. It says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So let's stop there for a minute and just unpack these couple of verses. Right, we see in verse 2 that we gain access by faith into the grace of God into which we now stand. And we can boast in what? We can boast in the hope of the glory of God. Isn't that a wonderful promise, right? That, that we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we can boast in the hope of the glory of God. And then verses 3 and 4 kind of take a different turn. It's saying, look, we can boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only because of the grace but also we can glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So we have hope for two reasons. One, because of the, we've gained access by faith into a grace that we now stand. And two, we have hope 
because of a suffering that we've walked through that produced perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. You know, I remember the journey that I've had at times of, of suffering that leads to hope. It's never glorious when you're going through the valley, but it is glorious when you get out to the other side, right? And, and I remember a time when I was training for a marathon and, and I, was, I was doing some, some running up long hills and, and me and my son Dan would run up a hill and he'd be like, Dad, every time you run up a hill, you're putting it in the bank. Why? Because you need to make a withdrawal later on in the race and later on in your training, right? So, so each time we go through suffering, we're putting it in the bank, so to speak, because that's going to carry us through the, the next time and the next time. And, and many of us, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've known the hope of finding God's grace in which we can stand and the hope of his glory. And you've also found the hope of walking through a circumstance that's been difficult. You know what it means to suffer, to persevere, to have character, and in that character then have hope. So let's go on further and read in verses 5 through 8. It says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? While we were still <laughs> sinners, Christ died for us. But I, the, the verse I want to focus on here is verse 5. It says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Right, so, so we talked about the two ways that hope comes to us, but why does it say that hope does not put us to shame? Because we, we know that we've found the grace of God and that's the hope that we glory. There, there is no shame there. But for some of us that may be in suffering right now, you may be wondering, God, are you really there? God, are you going to come through for me, Lord? This has been a long trial. It seems to be trial after trial after trial. God, I don't know if I can make it. And maybe some of us are wondering, and, and God wants to tell us, the hope that we put in him will not put us to shame. God will carry us through all the difficulties and all the things that we have, and we'll come out the other side with character. Amen? So where is, the God, where is God's love poured out on us in this scripture? We see that God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and much of my growing up, I learned about God's love, but it was a head knowledge. I, I learned about God through scripture, through hearing uh, a message, but it was more in my head. It wasn't until I had an experience with the Holy Spirit where I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Savior that I understood what it meant to have God's love poured out into my heart. And, and there's a difference today that God is talking to us about. He's not just talking to you about the love of God that's a head knowledge that you can understand. He's talking to us about the love of God that he wants to pour into your heart and my heart through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be praying about today, later on in the service, right? Some of us have that head knowledge, but God wants to pour it out to all of us. So I remember a story in Luke 24. You might know it too. This is where the two disciples were on the road to Emmaus, and they walked with Jesus after he had risen from the dead. They didn't realize it was him, though. And, and he, was, he was asking them, hey, what's been going on lately? And they're like, haven't you heard? And he's like, heard what? So, so they started to tell him about, about the 
this person had, had a, you know, was a prophet. And, and then Jesus starts to explain to them from the word of God what it all means. And they don't recognize that he's Jesus until they stop. They pull off to the side of the road. They have a meal together. And at the meal, Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. And all of a sudden, their eyes were open to see Jesus. And in that second, Jesus just disappeared. Imagine that, right? But what was it that they said? They didn't say, didn't it burn in our minds that this was Jesus? They said, no, didn't it burn in our hearts because they knew the love of God in their hearts. See, there's something when you've encountered the love of Jesus Christ, it's a love that burns in your heart and it happens to us through the Holy Spirit. So when we take communion at the end of the service and remember what Jesus did on the cross, I'm going to pray in a special way for God's love to be poured out in your heart and in my heart. And that's why we remember him. That's why we, we do communion to remember the sacrifice that he gave for us and the love that he had for us. So before we get to communion, there's two other things I want to talk about. And that is barriers to receive God's love. So if I, could, if I could put in my own words two barriers that we have to receive God's love, one might be feeling like we have to earn it. You know, we all live in a very performance-oriented culture. So what do I mean by that, right? We've all learned from a young age what it means to have an American dream, that if we work hard, it's going to get us where we want, right? But it's, it's, de- it's dependent on working hard. We go through school. We study late into the night. Why? Why do we do that? Why are we so, why, why do we try so hard in school? Because we want to get good grades, because good grades are going to get us a good job, and that's our ticket to a, a great life. Even once we find that job, why do we work hard in that job? Because you know what? The harder we work, maybe the bigger the raise we're going to get, the, the sooner the promotion will be, and, and on and on. And, and we've learned that effort equals reward. If we work hard, we're going to gain something. But it's not the same spiritually because spiritually we can't earn God's love. We, we, we spoke last week at Easter that, that we're sinful man and God is a holy God. And there's a canyon between the two of us. We can't cross from one side to the other. So we may be thinking, hey, I'm just going to try harder, right? How do I, how do I cross this bridge? Maybe, maybe I can earn God's love if I go to church more often. That's what I'll do. Well, thank you for coming to church more often but it's not going to earn you more of God's love. Maybe you would think, hey, if I just stop drinking so much, then God's going to love me. Or, you know what, maybe he'll love me if I read my Bible more. That's what I've got to do. Maybe he'd love me if I used less foul language, if I had fewer sinful thoughts. Hey, it's great to use less foul language. It's great to have fewer sinful thoughts, but God's not going to love you anymore for that. Maybe we would feel that, God, if I can just get my bad habits under control, I'll be closer to you. And I I feel like I've got it to get closer to God's love. I've got to better myself. You see, that's a trap of the enemy for us to think that we can receive God's love if we just do one more thing. We can't earn God's love by being a good person or by being better. This is what the word of God has to say. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one, is just as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. So, so even though as hard as I try and I get better and better and better, I can't cross this gap of sin from, from where I am to where God is. And in Ephesians 2.9, it says, God saved us by his grace when we did what? When we believed. And we can't take credit for this. It's a gift of God. So God's love comes to us freely. It's a gift. We can't earn it. 
So I, I want to just, I want to make sure that sinks home for us today, that, that we can't receive God's love by earning it. God's love is a gift to us. So if that's one barrier, what's the second barrier? Second barrier is, well, how can God be loving if, and fill in the blank. I've heard so many of these, right? Maybe the first one would be, what kind of a dad did you have growing up? See, for some of us, we had a great dad, but maybe for some of us, we didn't have that great of an experience with our dad. He wasn't very loving. It, w- it was negative. And, and you know what? We, we've grown up with an appreciation of who God is, and, and we kind of look at our Father God much like we look, uh, much like we look about our earthly God, or our earthly Father, and we say, hey, if, if my dad loved me like this, I don't know how to receive a, a heavenly Father's love because we equate the two. And you know, when, when we do that, when we start to look and expect that, that Almighty God is going to be like our earthly father, that's a weight. And I thought about it. I meant to bring some weights from home, but I've got some water bottles. These are going to be my weights. They're kind of watered down, but I'm bump. How about that? Um, so if these are my weights, it's, it's hard for me to receive God's love when my hands are full. Right? If, if I'm looking and saying, God, how can you be loving if, if my expression and my experience of love came from my Father? It, it wasn't unconditional by any means. God, God doesn't want us to have the weights. God wants us to put the weights down that we might receive his love and we might understand what he's doing. But then here's another thing we say, well, well, you know what, God, how can you be loving if you allowed my loved one to die or if you allowed this person this person in my life to leave or, or this person to disappoint me so significantly. And, and we might have issues in our life where we blame God for what happened. I know it may not be you. Maybe it's someone you know. But this is a barrier that we have to receiving God's love. We're blaming God. We're mad at God. Let's be honest with ourselves. Right? So, so what happens? It's convenient to blame God. I've, I've known people that haven't even believed in God until something bad has gone wrong in their life. And then they're like, now I believe God because I need someone to blame. Here's the truth. We all live in a fallen world. God never promised us that we would have a pain-free life. He promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. But the more we try to blame God, this is what happens. We just pick up a few more weights Right? And, and now, how am I going to try to receive God's love? My hands are full. I can't receive God's love. I've got to put down all the weights to then to be able to receive God's love. Here's one of my favorites about how can God be loving if there's starving children in the world? Right? There's always this, this, uh, this source of, of concern that we would have. It's not our concern. It's someone else's concern. But it, it's maybe an offense that we've picked up by seeing someone else go through an issue or seeing, seeing another person in the world that, that has a difficulty. You know, and, and when I hear this barrier, I know the person that is hurting that would say something like this. Because it's not, it's not a barrier of the heart. It's a barrier of the mind. It's like I don't understand logically how God could be loving if he would allow this or that to go on. You know, and here's what I, what I like to turn to at a time like that. Did you know that Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this? The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. You know, I, I think that I have to understand how God operates. And if it doesn't make logical sense to me, then how can God be loving if he would let this happen or that happen? But the truth is this, as we see in Isaiah 59, the heavens, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than my ways and, my, and his thoughts higher than my thoughts. See, I, I don't understand 
why God allows darkness to happen, but I do know that it's there for a reason. Have you ever considered that the proof of God's power isn't in what he doesn't allow to happen, but in what's not there, right? What's missing is the proof of God's power. Did you know that the women that went to find Jesus on that Easter morning, they left their house in darkness. It was dark all around them. And when they got to the grave, what was there? Nothing. What was missing? Jesus was gone, right? Sometimes it's through the darkness that we have to find out what's missing, that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And we need to embrace sometimes those dark times to allow God to walk us through them and give us hope. They got a lot of hope that day, but they started off the day in darkness. When they made it to the tomb, they did not find Jesus. It was only later that they understood that he had risen from the dead. And I liken this sometimes to driving a car. When you drive a car, there's two pedals in the floor of most driver's seats in the car. What are the two pedals? The two pedals are the gas pedal and the brake pedal, right? We need them both. We, we want to have sometimes where um, we want to have where we feel like we're just going to hit the gas, but the brake is just as important to us, right? And, and sometimes could it be that God's preparation for us in our lives comes packaged as pain? Could it be that there's times that we, we can't see what God is doing? He might not take the pain away, but the pain is there for a purpose. And, and we need to, to lay the weight down of, of allowing these burdens that we have, these barriers to receiving God's love. Um, we need to lay them down if we're going to receive what he has. So when Jesus talked about laying burdens down, he says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So that's what Jesus wants from us today. See, some of us, we've got all of these things that we burdened ourselves with. And, and we're trying to carry these weights, and we're like, God, where are you? God, I don't see you. I don't understand. We can't carry all these weights. We've just got to let them go and let them, let them fall. Because when they do, if I could take this verse and put it in a different way, if the burden you feel is too heavy today, it's likely not from God. Right? That's, that's what we need to recognize today, that, that Jesus didn't intend for us to carry heavy weights he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So as we enter now into a time of communion, you may be feeling today that you're burdened down with things that are too heavy. It may be the circumstances around you. I understand. I get it. They're heavy. But you know, sometimes the enemy, if, if he can't get us to go down a path of sin, he'll try to burden us with things that look really good. And you may be burdened down by this prayer request coming in and that prayer request, and, and you're feeling the weight of praying for others. Hey, it's great to pray for others, but God never intended for you to carry the weight. He said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. So today I want us to, to just spend some time as we go into communion to give thanks to God. Right, we, we see this in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And you may say, Greg, do you really expect me to give thanks in the middle of a pandemic? Do you want me to give thanks that my, my kid's graduation was stolen from him or, or this happened or that happened? 
Yeah, God says that we should give thanks in all circumstances. So, so how, what's our model in giving thanks for all circumstances? And I want to take us to a passage we all know well as we look at communion. And it's in Luke twenty-two nineteen. It says about Jesus that he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, as Jesus took the bread, let's remember what he did right before he, he, he broke the bread. He said goodbye to Judas. Judas was one of his disciples, one that had spent years with him. And Judas was leaving to go and betray him. And Jesus had just said goodbye to Judas. And now he takes the bread. And, and see, Jesus took the bread and he understood what was, what was going to happen in the next 24 hours to him. But he still takes the bread and he gives thanks. Right? Jesus, more than any of us, understood what Isaiah 53 had prophesied about him. Jesus understood where it says that he would be despised and rejected by mankind. Jesus knew that he, took, he would be taking up our pain and bearing our suffering when he went to the cross. Jesus knew that he was going to be pierced for our transgressions, that the punishment that was going to be brought upon him would bring us peace. Jesus knew that by his wounds, he was purchasing healing for you and for me. Jesus knew that he was going to be cut off from the land of the living. He was going to be forsaken by his heavenly father. Why? For the transgression of people, he was punished. So how do we receive God's love today and remember him on the cross and remember him as risen? Right? We have to know that when Jesus went in the Last Supper and he gave thanks, he gave thanks knowing the darkness ahead of him, knowing that he had just said goodbye to the disciple that was going to betray him, and yet he could still give thanks in that moment. You know what? If, if Jesus can do it, so can you and I because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's within us. So we might ask today, God, if you are loving God, how could you do this or that? How could you let that happen? Jesus knew what he was going to experience and he could give thanks. He, he is the epitome of love in that moment that he could give thanks and distribute and, and tell his disciples, remember my sacrifice on the cross. Remember that as often as you drink, wine as often as you eat bread. So today as we experience communion, we find this. It says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. So if you can take whatever elements you have at home, I've got a little uh, portable. Oh, I'm having some difficulty with it. <laughs> Don't try this at home. How's that, huh? Wow, there's a little tab, and I'm just missing it here. Here we go. I got it. So if you take your cracker, your bread at home, Jesus knew he was going to experience the darkest time of his life, beautiful brutal torture. He was going to be ridiculed. He was going to be put to death. But the worst part was that he was going to be forsaken by his father. That's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that's the love that he had for you and me. That's the love that he knew 
he was talking about when he said on the night which he was betrayed, he took some bread. So would you take your bread today and we're just going to give thanks to God for it. Father, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for us. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Lord, it, it wasn't in vain. We, we know, we know, Father, that, that you died in our place. So we thank you for it and we receive, we receive um, and remember today together. In Jesus' name, let's, let's partake together. And next it goes on to say, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as oft you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death till he comes again. So you know what? Today, as we drink the cup, let's remember that he was pierced for our transgressions, that, that the punishment that brought that brought us peace was put on him, that by his wounds we've been healed. And if you're home today and, and maybe you've got symptoms, you're not sure if you're sick or not, or you know you're sick, right? God comes with healing today as we drink the cup together and as we remember the covenant that he provided for us. If, if you would say today, Greg, I don't know the love of Jesus Christ in my life like you are talking about that love. As we're taking communion today, this is your opportunity to say, God, I want to reach out to you today and I want to drop all the weights that I have. I want to drop all the burdens. God, that we can receive the love that you have for us today. So, Father, by faith, we receive what you have. God, I pray for a love encounter for each one of us today, God, right in the middle of communion, that we would remember, Lord, your sacrifice, that we would remember, God, all that it means, and we would receive your love. So, Father, we thank you for the cup that you took. Jesus, we thank you for that cup. It was an ordinary cup, but it was a cup that you drank with your disciples, and you said you wouldn't drink it again until we were with you in heaven. But you asked us as often we would drink that we would remember you. So we remember your sacrifice today. Amen. Isn't it good to take communion? Amen. It, it does. It brings us back to, to the sacrifice of Jesus, to the triumph of the cross. And it's always good to remember what, what God has done for us. So at, at this time in our service, I'd like to just transition, if I could, into... Uh, our time of offering. You know, there's so many needs that we find in our community and even around the world. And, and just this past week, uh, Shiloh was able to give to some, some charities here in Manchester that are doing good on the front lines. We are able to give internationally to, to missionaries we support in, in uh, Bulgaria, to Mission Possible, that are helping Roma children in, uh, in, in these villages where normally they have a tough time, but now there's really nothing for them with this pandemic. We're able to help our partners in Haiti, Lender and Melissa, at the Loganoff Children's Home. Um, so it's important more than ever that, that we remain faithful in our giving. And, and I want you to know if, if you've lost your job or, or if you're going through a tough time financially, we're standing with you in that. We understand. But for, for those of us that, that are still gain, gainfully employed and, and making an income, we would ask that you continue to be faithful in your giving. And there's three ways you can give. If you want to do it from your laptop, go to shallowcommunity.church. If it's easier to do it from your phone, just text the dollar amount to 84321. And when you do that, it takes you right to our website. Or you can simply just put a check in the mail. That would be fine. But let's pray for our offering today and, and pray for our partners as well. Father God, we thank you for... 
for each one, Lord, that is hearing this message today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to, to worship you and to give generously to you, God. And, and Lord, we would stand with those ministries in, in Manchester that are needy, Lord, those ministries internationally that are needy at a time like this, Lord. And, and we pray for your sustenance, God. We pray that they could do even more uh, with what you're giving them, Father. And I thank you for each one that gives, Lord. We desire in our hearts to give generously. We desire to give as an act of worship to you. So we thank you for blessing this offering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we close today, I want to leave you with one last verse. This is uh, a verse that's out of Romans 8. It says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Isn't that appropriate? Nothing can separate us. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as you go through the rest of your day today, I pray you would experience more and more of God's love and that we would be able to show that love to our friends, our neighbors, and our family. God bless you, Shiloh. Thank you for joining us today.